Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Well, here we are. Did you guys think we would ever get here? This is the last Sunday of 2020. It is a day uh, in years past that I would typically do a uh, year in review, a year in review of everything that had happened prophetically, politically, or of historical, histor- uh, historical uh, uh, significance as well. I mean, I would, so I would call it the state of the union, perhaps, that kind of sermon, right? But, uh, you know, after the year that we've had, I don't think anybody wants to relive that, do you? No? <laughs> do you? All right, well, here's, here's the thing. Just, let's do this then quickly, just for uh, anybody who's maybe been living under a rock. Let's do a short list, shall we? All right. So the year started out with impeachment, right? Then a tornado, okay? Then China virus 19 came out, right? Shutdowns, lockdowns, masks, then no masks. Six feet apart, 14 days in quarantine, then 10, then seven. Now masks are back on, okay? And uh, there's peace in the Middle East, peace after peace deal. And then election fraud, election fraud too, that's great. And to top it all off, a bomb just went off in downtown Nashville, destroying an entire city block in what seems to be an attack on the communications infrastructure of our nation. Whoa. Did I miss anything? Don't answer if I did. That's enough. All right? (laughs) Let's keep that one rhetorical. I really, if there's anything else, I really don't want to know. I didn't see this year coming. Did you? Anybody? Nobody? Nobody ever? Except the people who planned it. Hmm. Probably shouldn't joke about that because it's true, maybe, probably. Anyway, guys, what should, so what should we talk about today, huh? We're not going to do that whole revisit the year thing, right? So what should we talk about? I thought a good title for today's message initially would be this. Can I see this first graphic? How's that, yeah? 2020, for anybody who can't see it on the screen, 2020, worst year ever. Maybe that'd be a good name for the sermon. No, I'm just kidding. Let's go with this one. This one's a little better. This one I shared online. 2020 is over. Thank the Lord. Anybody? 2020 is canceled. We've only got a few days left. But ultimately, I I think a good topic to talk about today, uh, you know, I I think it, it would be Perhaps dependence on the Lord would be a good thing to talk about today, after the year that we've had. So uh, because of that, we're going to go with this. The true uh, title of our sermon title today, for you who are taking notes, we're going to call this sermon, Hope is Rising. Amen? Amen. And to do so, I want to turn to the book of Psalms today. So if you've got your Bibles, take a moment. I'll let you uh, pull it out and find your page. The book of Psalms, we're going to go to chapter 25, Psalm chapter 25, the 25th Psalm. 
This is a psalm of David. And you know what? We're not going to jump around a lot today either. Uh, We are going to just go through this psalm line by line. And we are going to hear from the heart of David, a man after God's own heart, who knew a thing or two about a bad year and knew a thing or two about our need to have complete dependence on the Lord. So Psalm 25, let's read verse 1. Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust you. Can we just stop there for a second? We don't even need to get much further than that right right out of the gate, do we? Will you guys just pray these words with me for a second? Can we do that as one church body right now? Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust you. Say this out loud with me, guys. Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust you. That feels good to say, doesn't it? Let's do it one more time. Let's do it one more time with all your heart. Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust you. It feels good to say, but you've got to mean it, all right? You've got to mean it. Say it like you mean it and mean it. Now open your heart now, all right? Drop the walls around your hearts, and I really want you to say it out loud, guys. Come on now. Let me hear you. Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust you. Oh, boy. Do not let me be disgraced, he says. Do not let me be disgraced. Has anybody in here ever prayed that? You ever said that prayer? You know, I specifically remember doing it uh, one time. Years ago, I mean, I'm talking, what was it now? Don't make me do math. It's got to be like 15 years ago. You know, I moved to Nashville to do uh, songwriting and music and uh, Amber and I wrote for the same publishing company and all that fun stuff. And uh, I started a songwriter night at the uh, 12th and Porter. 12th and Porter was a music venue downtown. And I started an uh, open mic night uh, on Monday night, and we'd book all these writers, and we called it Familiar Faces Night on Monday nights. And I remember when I had first started this, because uh, I'd come to a place in my life where I had disengaged from what trying to pursue music. I thought I was supposed to do music and all this stuff, and, and uh, uh, we're getting real personal today. And, uh, you know, it's not what God had for my life, but I thought I needed to give it, give it more effort than I was and to honor the Lord. So I started this songwriter night, and I'll never forget, just before the thing was supposed to start, like nobody was there. Like nobody had showed up, Right. And so I went backstage, and I went up into the green room, and, uh, and I just prayed. And I remember walking down those steps back to, to the big venue room, and I said, Lord, just don't let this fail. My name is on this. And because my name is on this, your name is on this. Don't, don't, let, don't let me be disgraced, right? I'll never forget that. Within the next 10 minutes, people just came pouring in out of nowhere. I'm not even joking. And the place was packed. It was pretty cool, and we ended up doing that, running that, uh, uh, that showcase for two years after that. But I also specifically remember a time that my wife prayed that prayer, Lord, do not let me be disgraced. We started, our first church we started, because I'd been running from the Lord for years, my mentor, my pastor, had said, Chad, you're supposed to be a pastor. I'd say, no, I'm not going to, no, 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 right? I would run from it, 
He said, Chad, I'll help you start a, a church plant in downtown Nashville. We'll support you. And I'd say, no, 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 no. Well, we went to Arkansas. We moved back to, after having Eva, we moved to Arkansas near where Amber's hometown was. And that's a long story I can't get into. But ultimately, we ended up starting a church plant there, our, the first church plant we'd ever started. And I had yielded and surrendered and, and uh, um, you know, been ordained. And we were starting the church. And, and, but it, this time, it was in Amber's hometown. And I remember when we started that church, and when I yielded my heart to him, I said, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll give you. I remember hearing him so clearly saying, just give me two months, Chad. Give this two months, and if it's not happening by then, you can move back to Nashville. So for two months, we met at a little room in the Holiday Inn with the, between 12 to 15 people to six people was our lowest day we ever had. And on that eighth Sunday... Exactly two months in, as when we were driving to the Holiday Inn, Amber and I were talking that we knew it was the Lord so clearly that this is the day, so something's got to happen today. We had found a church building but had no money to rent the church building and all that stuff, and we show up and we get there. What's the Lord going to do today? And nobody was there. Nobody was there. And Amber, this is her hometown and all of her family is there, and I'll never forget how she was so discouraged, she went out to the car and sat in the car and prayed, Lord, do not let me be disgraced. Oh, Lord, I thought this was you. I thought this and I thought that. And literally by the time, she, again, again, within minutes, by the time she walked back in, while she was in the car praying this, people were just flooding in. I was like, where are these people coming from? We'd filled up the whole room at the holiday. And again, it's the same thing. I tell these stories... <clears throat> to make it real or to communicate to you that it's real to me anyway. So if it's real to any of you out there, you're not alone. If you have prayed this prayer, Lord, oh Lord, I appeal to you, my God, I trust you. Do not let me be disgraced. Verse 3, let's keep reading. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Do you hear that? That proclamation? Who in here needs to hear that and know that? Somebody in here, or listening perhaps, needed to hear that, I know. Because strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Do you guys remember that song? Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. It's, it's the word of God, church. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Who is waiting on the Lord right now? Anybody in here? Good. Honest people here. I love it. Hmm. Wisdom will seem foolish to the wicked. Remember that as you wait on the Lord. Wisdom will seem foolish to the wicked. Many may call you a fool. Many may call you a fool as you wait on the Lord for his deliverance, perhaps you're waiting for that. For his timing, perhaps you're waiting for that. For his release, perhaps you're just waiting on him to give you a release on something. Or even as you're waiting on his appearance, his appearing. Many may call you a fool, but oh, you are not a fool to wait upon the Lord, church. In the footnotes of the New English Translation Bible, in regards to Proverbs chapter 9, which so beautifully advises wisdom over folly, if you're looking for a good chapter on wisdom, choosing wisdom over folly, look up Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, but in the footnotes of that uh, Bible... 
the footnote itself summarizes the chapter by saying this. Can we see that graphic? It says this, both wisdom, both wisdom and folly will make their final appeals. And both appeal to the simpletons. Wisdom offers life with no mention of pleasure, and folly offers pleasure with no mention of death. I love that. That's good, isn't it? Wisdom offers life with no mention of pleasure, and folly offers pleasure with no mention of death. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Can we go back to verse 3? No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause, they will be disgraced. Amen? I think we have got some treacherous uh, people operating in our country right now. Let it be so, Lord Jesus. But before I move on, uh, though, I want to point something out. I don't know if you noticed this as we read uh, verses 2 and 3, um, but the word disgraced, the word disgraced is the Hebrew, Hebrew word bosh, and it was used three times just in this two ver- these two verses. Disgraced used uh, three times just in these two verses. The same Hebrew word appears again, as we'll find out, in verse 20. And this is really cool because it insinuates that the belief of the psalmist, who is David, King David, was that the Lord would not allow his people to be put to shame because of their faithfulness, their faithfulness to him, and the fact that his reputation was on the line as well. Pretty cool. Verse 4, make your ways known to me, Lord. Make your ways known to me. Oh, Lord, yes. Can we say or, and or pray this together as well this morning? Can we do that again? Let's, let's say it out loud, guys. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Lord Jesus, teach me your paths. Verse 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. And so do we wait for the Lord Jesus, do we not? Do you feel David's heart on this, guys? I hope I'm getting this across this morning. you feel David's heart on this? This is the heart of a man. When we think of these Bible patriarchs and we almost think of them like superheroes, right? They're just people. They're just people, just like you. This is the heart of a man. A king, but a man. The heart of David. Verse 6. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. Oh, remember your compassion, he says. Remember your compassion and your love. Lord Jesus, hear my heart. Remember your compassion and love. Bathsheba, not so much, right? Don't remember that stuff, though, please. That other stuff that I did, don't remember that if you would, right? 
Thankfully, we have a God that takes our sin and casts them into a sea of forgetfulness. Amen? Mm. Remember, Lord, your compassion. Remember your faithful love. Don't remember my foolishness. Remember me because of your goodness. Verse 8. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. Oh, that's good. Wait, does this mean that he doesn't make the sinner feel better about their sin? So they, so they won't feel convicted and that way they'll come back to church next week? Right? Wait, does this mean that he, he tells them the truth even if it hurts because he loves them? Yes, it does. Mm-mm-mm. It drives me nuts how so much of the church today, or the apostate church, I should preface, they just, won't, they just make people feel better about themselves, period. They make them feel, thusly, they're making them feel better about their sin. They're angling to not make somebody feel convicted so they'll come back, right? And that's not what the Lord says here. That's not what David's saying to the Lord here. He says, you show sinners the way. And what is the way? Truth. Truth. This means he tells them the truth, even if it hurts, because he loves them. I can't help but see that every time I read this. I've got a, I've got a, you guys know me well enough, don't you? I've got a low tolerance for milk toast teaching or bad doctrine or villainy disguised as virtue. Mm. Yes, he shows sinners the way. And by doing so, the other way, they were going is proven to be folly by contrast. He shows sinners the way. Verse 9, let's read. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Verse 10, all the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. Oh, that is the humility that we all need to have, church. That is the humility that we all need to have, and we cannot forget. Do you want to know his ways? Do you want to know his ways? We just said that out loud a minute ago, didn't we? Do you want to know his ways? Then you better not forget where you came from, right? You better not forget where you came from, as they say. Forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. The key words here, the two key words from the heart of David, humble and keep. Humble and keep. Keep faithful the Lord always. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenants and decrees. Humble and keep, church. We also see in verse 11, we also see in verse 11 a reminder of reputation binding, don't we? Reputation. For the sake of your name, he said, forgive me. For my iniquity, my iniquity, for it is immense. For the sake of your name, oh, forgive me, Lord. Mm. There it is. You know, I wish more Christians would remember this. 
would get this, you know? Uh, God wants to aid you. Do you know that? Now, this is not prosperity teaching I'm giving you right now, okay? It's just in general. If, if we, being wicked, want good things for our children, then how much more so does God, who is holy, want good things for his, right? God wants, he wants to aid you. You carry his name. Do you get that? You call yourself Christian. You carry his name. You tell people that you belong to him. It makes him look good. It makes him look appealing even if you look strong, mature, faithful, and blessed. Do you know that? Now, how you become strong, mature, faithful, and blessed is another story, right? But it isn't like winning a lottery. To, uh, winning the lottery, I can tell you that much, all right? It doesn't just happen. It takes us going through things to become all those things, right? But I just wish that, you know, more Christians would understand that, you know, yes, he wants to make you look good, but you have a responsibility to make him look good too, you know? You get that? I've always loved the saying that a Bible that is falling apart is a sign of a life that isn't. Have you heard that before? A Bible that's falling apart is a sign of a life that isn't. How many people have been running around this world, think about it, and I mean for like 20 or 30 years or more, calling themselves Christians, but their lives are just falling apart in a mess of drama because they don't take their ambassadorship seriously. And that's really what it comes down. Or they don't really believe it. Or they don't really believe that they are called and chosen for a higher uncommon use and purpose and that carry a great honor to represent the king of kings in this foreign land that is not our home. That's what you are, you know, every single one of you. That's a big responsibility, right? Now, we get it, grace is free, and I've said it a million times through the holidays, right, that, you know, all the other deities, false deities, or, you know, different religions, it's all about people proving themselves to God, their God, right? But we hold the only faith where God has gone out of his way to prove himself to us just so that we would believe and receive the free gift. So I think that... we might be a little bit more prone to think that it's all about us, right? And he's serving us, and that's not how it's supposed to be. You have got a responsibility to make him look good too, church. Do you feel that? Verse 12, let's keep reading. Who is this person who fears the Lord? Who is this person who, in other words, reveres the Lord, right? He will show him the way he should choose. Amen. Does anybody need that? Lord, show me the way that I should go. Okay, right? Verse 12, he will show him the way he should choose. This is true, by the way, church. Let me tell you this, all right? This is true. The Holy Spirit will give you discernment. The whole, you should pray about everything. You should pray about where to buy your tires, you know what I'm saying? I mean, for real. If we look to the Holy Spirit for direction on every decision that we'd make, we would make a lot more good decisions. That's the truth. You know, you ever been pulling out of the house and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just tells you out of the blue that you left the iron on or that you did something and you just know it's the Lord? 
Like I was in the street and this came to my remembrance. Or I forgot this or that. Just me? Just me? Anybody? Everybody, right? Come on. I don't wake you guys up today. Everybody's too sleepy from the holidays. The Holy Spirit, guys, will give you discernment. God will work on your behalf to open doors that were previously closed to you. Do you know that? I'm telling you, guys, he will do that. He will show him the way he should choose. Man, that is the truth. Who is this person that fears the Lord? Who is this person that does it right and seeks after the Lord and seeks after him with discernment? You know, he will live a good life, verse 13 goes on to say. You know, I just, God is so good, guys. He'll show you the way that you should choose. He'll show you the way that you should go. He will go before you. He'll open doors for you. Do you know this? I've got to tell you, you know, we're getting personal today, right? I remember when uh, years ago, when before Amber and I were married, you know, we maintained, uh, you know, so many young couples, they live together before they're married these days, right? And that's, we grew up believing, our, our parents telling us, that's not what you should do, that's not how you should, you know, you need to get married, obviously, before you cohabitate, otherwise you're setting yourself up to fail in a lot of different ways, right? Uh, and I mean, you know, and we always believed that. So we would always hold to, Amber and I always, she had her place and I had my, my place, and, uh, you know, we were spending a fortune because we were together all day long, every day, every night, and then I'd go home, right? And then sometimes I'd sleep on the couch. And so the conversation comes out, why don't we just move in together and get this, uh, where we could save so much money, but we never, never would. And our pastor was so good to us to counsel us and, and, and appreciate that. But guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that when we finally got married, because we dated for years and off and on, and a long story for those of you that don't know me, I've got a story for you, okay? When we finally surrendered and got things right and lined up and got married and did things right, I'm telling you that that's when we, God immediately threw us into, into ministry. It's as if he was waiting on us to a degree to get things squared away, Okay? That is your God. He will show you the way that you should go, and he will work on your behalf, and he will open doors for you. I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. I've... Stick to your notes, Pastor. Verse 13, he will live a good life, and his descendants will inherit the land. His descendants will inherit the land. It's important to understand, guys, that the promise of the land, you know, the promised land, the promise of the land to the Hebrews, it was never a blank check. It was never a blank check. It was always tied to faithfulness. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, or verse 28 through 30, it's all about their faithfulness. Seek me and you'll find me. Seek me and you'll find me, okay? Seek me and you'll walk into the blessings. Seek me and I will give you. That's the heart of our Lord, Verse 14, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him or revere him again. And he reveals his covenant to them. The Hebrew word here is sod, S-O-D, sod. It expresses the idea of a confidential uh, a, a relationship, 
material, in other words, that is secret, or to a circle of confidants, okay, when you break that word down. God has the right, we need to understand this, you know, God has the right to withhold what he wants. He's under no obligation to tell you all his plans, tell anybody, tell anybody, right? He, is, he has the right to withhold what he wants or to divulge what he wants. You know, I want to be on the inside circle with God, don't you? And that's David's heart here, and that's David's prayer here, okay? And, and he says, show me the way that I should go. Show me your ways, Lord Jesus. And then here in verse 14, he says, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he reveals his confidential stuff with them. Mm. That's the circle I want to be in. Verse 15, my eyes are always on the Lord, he says. This is within the context of faith, you have to understand. He looks to the Lord as a source of help, always. Always, David looks to the Lord for a source, as a source of help, of help. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he will put my feet out of the net. Verse 16, Turn to me and be gracious to me. This is a referencing of the Aaronic, uh, Aaronic blessing that comes to us in Numbers chapter 6. There, you know, we say it at the end of service, may the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may he make his face to shine upon you, right? May he be gracious to you. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am alone and afflicted. This also suggests that he felt as though God had turned away from him. He's saying, turn to me. Turn to me. He says, you see his emotion here. He feels like God has turned away. But perhaps as it, is, as it often is with us, it wasn't God who did the turning away. It wasn't he that created the distance that we feel so often. So often we feel like we're alone. Perhaps God has turned from us, isn't ready to aid, but really, that's not the case whatsoever. Perhaps it's us and our preconceived notions, and we have turned our heart, or we have grown to accept only what we expect because of what we want. Anyway, he's already owned up to the iniquity part, though, David has. He's already owned up to that. Let's read verse 17. The distress of my heart, the distresses of my heart, my heart increase. Bring me out of my suffering, verse 18. Consider my affliction and trouble. And again, he says, he's back to it, forgive all my sins. This is the humble heart, guys. Again, we see this beautiful, honest contrast. He personally ties his affliction to his sin. He knows he's brought it upon himself. And that's so important because so often we get so upset with God. Why, Lord, save me from this, save me from this. Or why did this happen? Why did that happen? Well, most of the times you're blaming God for something you did. You're blaming God for something you brought on yourself by not fearing the Lord, by not walking after the Lord, by not seeking the Lord, by not asking for his discernment in the decisions that you make. Amen? Amen. This is ownership, guys. It's not popular these days. 
It's not popular these days, is it? But it's necessary. It's necessary. Verse 19, consider my enemies. They are numerous, and they hate me violently. You got to understand, guys, Satan hates you. We spent a lot of time this past summer uh, teaching and talking about uh, the enemy, didn't we? He hates you. We, this is what's, what we are witnessing in our world right now is a struggle between light and dark. This is a spiritual war more than it is political. Now, it's political, but it's spiritual more than anything else. Mm. They hate me violently. This is the nitty-gritty now. Uh, verse 20, guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be disgraced. Again, again we see, Lord, Again, the reputation tie he reminds the Lord of. Don't let me be disgraced, for I take refuge in you. If I'm taking refuge in, in you, Lord, and I declare it and I proclaim it, then you can't let me be disgraced because then you'll look, it'll look like you can't get it done. Verse 21. May integrity may integrity this is a big word isn't it integrity and what is right watch over me for I wait for you for I wait for you you know can we back this up back this I want to I want to I want to drive this home and we're going to wrap up early today guys I want to drive this home. Verse 20. Guard me and rescue me. Do not let me be disgraced, for I take a refuge in you. I want you to do, let's do this, uh, let's do this one more time. I just want you to, everybody, let's do this. Close your eyes, everybody. Can we do this? Close your eyes right where you are. <sighs> Lift up your hands if you can. And just say this with me, for I take refuge in you. Say, I take refuge in you. I take refuge in you. Feels good to say, doesn't it, church? He is our refuge. Do you know that? May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you. Say that, I wait for you. I wait for you. Do you wait for him, church? Do you wait for him? We asked that question earlier, didn't we? Do you wait for him? Do you really? I do. I wait for him on timing. I wait for him on many things. I wait for his appearing. And blessed are those who love his appearing. Amen? Verse 22, last verse. God, redeem Israel from all its distresses. Redeem Israel. And may I add, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, please redeem the United States of America. <laughs> redeem our nation, Lord Jesus. Redeem our nation from all its distress. Mm. You know, Psalm 25, church, Psalm 25, it, 
It exposes David's heart. It's beautiful. I hope you've enjoyed it. It exposes David's heart. Even as anointed king, warrior, a warrior who was both loved and hated, his complete dependence on the Lord was laid bare. Completely dependent on the Lord. As are we, truly. Truly we are. You know, it's, it's funny in this life how we forget how vulnerable we are. <laughs> we feel like we're invincible a lot of the times until you turn 40, right? But my goodness, our, we are dependent on the... C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes of his, I mention it all the time. Uh, he says in Mere Christianity, he says, you know, it is not until man realizes how hopeless his situation is. It's not until that moment that Christianity begins to talk, right? How desperate the situation is. We are in a state of complete dependence on the Lord. May we, church, may we, we, may we learn to approach everything with that understanding. And we, may we ask the Lord to go before us in everything that we do. Every job site that we work on, every relationship that we have, every uh, uh, advice that we, every piece of advice that we offer, may we do it prayerfully with an understanding that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit's guidance and leading. Mm. So, what do I take out of this? You know, what has God exposed you to today in Psalm 25? Be humble, be honest, ask forgiveness. And be faithful. Amen? Amen. With every eye closed and every head bowed, let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the way that you love us, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are good when we are not. You are faithful when we are not faithful. Lord, as David prayed and as David lifted up his heart, as he called out, he said, God, I take refuge in you, Lord Jesus. As David came before you and he said, make your ways known to me, Lord. As David came to you and said, Lord, I appeal to you, my God, I trust you with this. I trust you with all I am. Who in here needs to say that prayer right now? Raise your hand, put it right back down. If you need, if, or leave it raised, whatever you want to do. Raise your hand. I want you to say this prayer this morning, church, with all your heart. And I want you to, I want you to take 2020 and I want you to put it in the past. And I want to take, you to take all your fear, your anxiety, your concern, your hurt. I want you to lay it down at the foot of his throne and I want you to say with all of your heart, I want you to say, Lord, I appeal to you, my God. I trust you with this. I trust you. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Oh, Lord, for I take refuge in you. I take refuge in you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, see the hearts of your people as they bring them before you, as they surrender everything to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, God, we come to you and ask that you'd reveal your ways to us, that you'd show us the way, Father. Holy Spirit, that you would open doors that it's your destiny for our lives to open and that you would close doors, Lord Jesus, 
that we are not to walk through, as you told Paul not to go to Asia. Lord Jesus, closed doors. We don't want to walk through any doors that you don't want us walking through. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, guide us, Father, through this life. We are completely dependent on you. We are no different from your servant, David, who is completely dependent on you. Lord Jesus, in these confusing times, these trying times, these times, Father, that the enemy would use to sow fear into our hearts and our minds and uncertainty, Lord, we take refuge in you and the certainty of who you are because I trust you, Lord Jesus. Say that out loud, church. I trust you, Jesus. Yes. Oh, Father, we thank you for who you are. Now, if there's somebody, let's say this prayer together in case somebody's watching online and surrendering their heart right now. Let's say this together. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I trust you. I trust you with my eternal salvation. Come into my heart and make me new. And walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour favor out on your lives. May he be gracious to you. May you go in grace and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. We love you guys.